Are you also tired of one-size-fits-all weight loss plans? Meet Noom, the personalized solution that meets you where you are. Noom is able to understand your unique needs, from dietary restrictions to medical concerns. Unlike restrictive programs, Noom embraces your lifestyle and choices. Discover a sustainable approach to weight loss, tailored just for you. Honestly, Noom felt like it was made for me. It's not just about what I eat. It's about understanding why. With Noom, I've learned so much about myself and built healthier habits that stick. It's all about progress, not perfection. Say goodbye to restrictive diets and experience the Noom app for yourself with personalized lessons and expert coaching. Noom's psychology and biology-based approach has helped over 5.2 million people achieve their goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Hello, friends. I'm your host, Chris Thrill. I'm a former Royal Marines commando. I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Hello, brothers and sisters. Welcome back to my four-part series on what's Royal Marines training really like. In this number three, we're going to be covering battle fitness training, which is the second part of infantry training. If you haven't already subscribed to the channel, could you please do so? So what is battle preparation? Well, you need to understand if you join the Royal Marines, straight out of training, you, you can't, you need to be prepared to go to war. When the Falklands war or conflict kicked off, lads straight out of training, uh, got on board ships with their commando units and sailed for the South Atlantic. Uh, I myself went straight out to, to Northern Ireland. I've got here 51 millimeter mortar training. That that's uh, I would hazard a guess at saying that's something that's come in due to Afghanistan, right? Because we certainly didn't do any mortar training when I served. Now, the funny thing about mortars is you've got to be careful with them. Surprise, surprise, because they go bang. And there was one famous incident, I think, where several marines were killed on the mortar range and i might be getting two stories mixed up here but what you've got to be careful to do is when you when you slide a, a rocket down a barrel a mortar rocket the guys do it so quickly you've got to be careful you don't slide another one in on top it says here there's a battlefield tour of france uh Guessing that's to get you all kind of patriotic and uh, and um, trying to get you to understand what war is. But I'm going to say tell you now, I bet they don't tell you the full story about the Second World War. They'll tell you the story that Hollywood tells you. Uh, good against evil and all that freaking nonsense. What the, What they won't tell you 
is the big banking families, for example, the Rothschilds, during that war, they funded all the sides. So the French Rothschilds, they were funding the French war effort. The Rothschilds in Britain were funding the British war effort. And the Rothschilds in Germany were funding the German effort. Then you had the Bush family. Um, Great-grandfather Bush. If you don't know the Bush family hierarchy, it doesn't really matter, but this guy was um, arranging loans for the, so that the Luftwaffe could get their oil. So this is an American who's in the war and America's fighting Germany, right? He, as an American, is, is supporting the enemy just to make some, some of this, right? It's all about power. If you join the Marines, you need to know, forget the good against evil and freedom and democracy uh, nonsense. That's just the lie they tell you to go and get you to sacrifice your life to make them even richer, right? You've got exercise first base here, tactical field patrols. Now, I think this was called Deer Leap when I was in, and it was probably our most fun exercise. It's when you got to go and basically play soldiers in the woods. And the only drawback of that playing soldiers was if you're on the radio, you had to do proper radio procedure and transcribe everything into battle code. And that kind of takes the fun away of running around playing, you know, playing good guys and bad guys, right? And we were yomping into that exercise and it's like a 12 mile yomp in all your equipment. So not just your fighting order and your weapon, but also we had large packs. You guys will have Bergens, right? Or the, the, the new, new intakes will have Bergens. And two things happened. And, it, and the first went to my favor. My friend Hammy, Scottish lad, was carrying this uh, mortar, right? And it slipped out the top of his pack and they lost it. And if you remember my last video, you never lose a weapon in the military. It's, it's just don't do it, right? And so the whole exercise was called to a halt while everybody went and searched for this weapon. And I had only just left Limpston, or certainly where the transport had dropped me off. And I was suffering big time on this, this march in. I was marching in, I was marching in with a troop officer. It was just me, him and two other guys, right? And uh, the troop officer starts panicking because we've lost a weapon and he doesn't want that on the video. Makes a few radio calls and then just turns to me and says, Throw, right! Get in the feckin' Land Rover! We're driving! <laughs> that was it. So, after two miles of absolutely dying, that yomping kills you, right? We jumped in the transport and uh, drove the rest of the way. And they managed to find this this mortar. Um, the other thing about that exercise is, by this time, in fact, I, I'd done this quite a while now, I was bivvied up on my own. I don't know what they're using train now, but we had actual bivvy sheets and you had to press stud them together with your oppo to form a, a complete tent 
as it were, but obviously the both ends were open. I'm guessing now that you have much better small tents. Um, these things were savage and guys slept in these in the Falklands when it was like minus, probably minus five, six or seven some nights. But what I'd started doing was just pitching mine on my own. You learn to go and buy, go into limp, um, go into Exeter and buy bungees. So you don't mess around with paracord. You just get bungees, hook it onto your bivy and then you put the bungee around a tree and you're good to go, right? And remember on that exercise deer leap, I just had the nicest bivy position. I dug out a shell scrape. That's a small trench about a foot, sometimes two foot deep, depending on how much time you have to dig it. And that's just an emergency uh, cover. So if any mortar rounds or rockets come into your position, you can lie in it and the blast will go across the top of you and uh, theoretically save your life. I say theoretically. So yeah, I had a really nice uh, snug position there in the woods, all on my own. I got the best night's sleep, I think, one night that I ever did in training. That and one night on the uh, uh, final exercise that I'm going to tell you about. Um, you're going to get, well, on that exercise, we've done a lot of uh, fighting patrols and ambushes. You start to learn um, hand signs, how to talk to your section or your troop using hand signs. And it's um, there's one important set of signs you need to learn. And that's this one. You get it? It means run like fuck. There's a bear behind you. So yeah, that was good fun playing in the woods. Um, going out on, on recce patrols, basically seeing if you can find the enemy, spy on the enemy, and everyone secretly is hoping that the enemy sees you so you can have a good scrap. Adventure training. Oh, ambushes. Got to mention ambushes. Yeah, not fun. Your training team will lead you into an ambush position. You'll ditch your Bergens in the middle of some woods somewhere, right? And you'll sneak into this ambush position. If you're lucky, you'll be allowed to take roll mats. And you lie down on your roll mat, put your weapon in your shoulder. The training team stealthily walk away. And they leave you there. And then you know that they're going to put the ambush in. So you're waiting and you're waiting and you think, ah, maybe an hour. Okay, maybe two hours. Three hours goes past, four. And then you realise you've gone in at 10 o'clock at night and you're not going to see them till the next morning, till they've had their breakfast in their nice big tent. So about seven o'clock in the morning, just as dawn's breaking, you're lying there and suddenly you, you look. You think, is that? It's it's confusing. You see a face you recognise, and it, and then you realise it's the training team, and they're patrolling along. And you have two cutoffs in an ambush, or you have, you have two cut, you have two guys on the outside. They're the um, observers, as it were. They're there to start laying down the fire 
once the patrol has come into the killing ground, right? Then you have cutoff groups, so any enemy not killed immediately that tries to make a runner for it, they get cut off by, you know, machine gun fire, right? Adventure training. That's quite good fun. You get to do a lot of adventure training in the, in the Royal Marines. This particular one, you, we had a week in Wales and we did some running, surprise, surprise. Only in tra training shoes up and down the lanes, but if you ever been in Wales, well, Hereford Way, you'll know what the, the terrain there is like. Um, I think we did some abseiling. I've got a photo here. Canoeing. And uh, you get to drink your fair, sh fair share of beer as well. In this part of training, you're going to be introduced to the general purpose machine gun, the GPMG, Jimpy, you might hear it referred to. And that has two roles. It, it can be fired in the uh, general purpose role, I suppose you'd call it. That's just as a machine gun. We pull out the truck, it's got the tripod, you pull down, you pull out the legs and, and then you fire it. It's a really nice weapon to fire. You can, you just, you can feel the rounds pushing back into your shoulder. It's nothing too, too heavy. You just hold it like that and it's really nice to feel those, those rounds going off. But then you have the, uh, SF roll, the sustained fire roll. And that's where you put, you take off the, the butt of the weapon. You, you put a shorter barrel on without the tripod legs and you fix it on a permanent tripod, a much heavier kind of arrangement. And in that role, it's fixed down. So when you pull that, you can just sit there behind it. You don't have to hold anything. You just sit there pulling the trigger. And at night, you see the tracer going off. Tracers one in every five rounds. There'll be a red tip tracer and it fires phosphorus. I think it's phosphorus as it goes through the air. So every time you see a red tracer, like in these Falklands videos, you've got to remember that's five rounds going off there and you watch them fly through the air and it looks so slow when they're in, in a parabolic flight. But if you line it, line up on a rock, Every round will hit that rock and then go vertically upwards in a ricochet. It's um, it's quite something to watch. Hold fast, which is a, a digging in exercise. I'll talk about that in a minute. And I was going to the Elson, which is the bog. I was literally sitting on it with my weapon down by my side and I suddenly saw these trees moving and I looked around the skyline in the dark and all these trees were like getting closer and again it takes you a split second to realise it's the enemy it's another troop of course from Limpston but it's the enemy coming to attack your position Hindsight's a wonderful thing. I wish I'd just cocked my weapon and just started spraying them on automatic, screaming something macho like, I hate your mum. 
you know, or no, I walk your dog. But no, I legged it back. I was a commander. Um, they gave it, they, they gave everyone turns on different exercises to be troop commander, right? And I think I was troop commander for this one. Um, or it might have been section commander or something. So I ran back because I had a radio in my trench. Of course, by the time I got there, the, this troop was just upon us. And then after a while, the, uh, the GPMG is just famous for stoppages, basically. If you don't get the link ammunition all lined up, you'll get stoppages. That's why when you see them in, you know, Vietnam movies with it around their neck, you don't do all that nonsense. If you do that, you're just doing this to the ammunition. It's like getting a ladder and shaking it. All the, all the rungs like come out, right? And it's the same with the ammunition. So after a while, the guy's got the, got the gun sorted. I think you can call the GPNG the gun. You don't, you never call your rifle your gun, right? I think they got it sorted and suddenly you just heard, and that's hell of a nice sound when you're in the middle of a battle it really just sounds like you're giving the enemy fuck you do fighting in, in woods and forest forests fiwaf they love having mnemonics for everything in the military someone's going to write in the comments chris it's not a mnemonic it's a this that's okay that doesn't make you a keyboard warrior. Thank you for educating me. Uh, the battle, battle physical training pass out. So yes, that's the big thing about this part of training is you're on the bottom field. And bottom field is where the assault course is, right? Further up, you've got the Tarzan assault course. And bottom field training is a lot of run here go run to there go sit down stand up a lot of warming up lots of fireman's carries you've got to be able to carry your partner is it 200 meters in 90 seconds i think it is to be honest it's it's doable you see people on the videos don't you really struggling with it but for your average person you pair off with someone pretty much your size well, I couldn't because I was the smallest guy in the troop. So I'm always going to have someone bigger than me, right? You pair off with them and and you just do it. Don't sweat that one. So fireman's carries. The assault course itself. Regains is a big thing you, you learn and you have to do. Regains is where you're doing the commando crawl across the rope on your stomach with your your foot hooks over the back of the rope, right? Hard to practice this before you join up because not many people have got a sort of three-inch thick rope go going across their back garden, right? But you get across to the middle and then a regain is you purposely fall off so you're hanging and then you let your, your, feet, your feet swing down. And initially you do it in light order, so just your clothes, right? And then they introduce you to doing it with kit and a weapon. And for your pass out, you've got to be able to, in full equipment, fall off underneath, let go of, let go so you're just hanging like this. And then there's like a five stage process to get back on that, to get back on the rope. Sounds amazing with the weight you're carrying that you can get back on a rope. And the rope is kind of, 
bending in the middle like this, right? But you get your foot hooked over it. Then you get your arm that way over the rope. And then you, with your lower leg, you rock like that. You rock and then you go like that. And you have to, you always say, look up the rope. Sorry, I'm probably looking at the right knob here, aren't I? But you get the impression. You look up the rope and you, f and then you can get back onto it. I was really lucky. I was so agile and so light. That I would swing down and then before I stopped or, or I would just get the momentum up swinging. And then when I had the momentum, I just jumped straight back on the rope. Um, I did that on my, on the pass out, the book. We call it the BFT pass out, right? Um, bottom, bottom field training pass out. For some reason, it's called battle physical training now. But I did that on actual pass out and nobody saw it except one other nod. And he just looked at me and went, oh. <laughs> it's a neat trick to be able to do. Um, and of course, you've got to get up the 30 foot ropes. You've got to get up there i'm not sure if the, i don't think there's a time limit you just got to be able to get up there in full equipment can't remember how many times you have to do it for pass up but you at least have to do it once and if you don't you fail you get one more attempt of it if you fail that you get back trooped right and later on in training we could get up some of us could get up the ropes in full equipment just using just using our arms Hand-to-hand -hand combat, I'm guessing you're probably going to do like a lot more of that now. Um, or certainly have been doing more of that What 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 with Afghanistan, because obviously close, getting close to the enemy was, uh, was a big thing out there at times. And it was always a possibility, isn't it? You're going to have to scrap. When I was in, it consisted of one afternoon in the gymnasium. But I write about this in my book, Eating Smoke. And the, uh, the PTI comes in and he goes, right, fellas. Fuck all this Taekwondo shit. He's like, if you ever have to resort to using hand-to-hand -hand combat, you're pretty fucked anyway. <laughs> Said, so I'm going to teach you how to keep your end up in the boozer. And that was it. And then all of his instructions began with, right. So somebody's got you like this in the pub, right? It's quite good. I can remember it to some of this, this day. If someone grabs your lapels, you go up and you break their grip or you go down and I think it's down. You break their grip. And as you push down, you pull their head towards you. And bang. You go in, in with a headbutt. They grab you there. You grab their thumb and you twist it. And that's a, ah, oh, one of those kind of ones. And every maneuver we were taught involve giving him a good kick, kick kick like three times in the nuts <laughs> right hold fast yeah that was the exercise i was telling you about one when uh i got attacked on the elson um hold fast is a digging exercise and you dig in they take you to this area of woodbury common and your troop commander comes around and says right your section dig in here and in, in your half section, so that's four men, you dig a trench. It takes you all night. 
stupidly, our troop officer told us to dig in here. And I noticed about three, three meters away there was a trench that had already been dug a few weeks before. You could see where it had been filled in. And looking back, again, hindsight, we should have dug in in that one. I don't think the troop officer would have remembered where he told us to dig in, right? That digging in takes you all night. It's excruciating. It's tiring. You keep just having five minute breaks and sitting down. And you've got these entrenching tools, which are, they're not brilliant. They're better than those things you get from millets, you know, the army, the, the kind of camping shop, but they're not brilliant. You get, you either get a pick or a spade. And, uh, yeah, you dig that trench all night. And then you, you've got to, you put a kip sheet, sheet across it. Don't know why they call it a kip. Um, and then on top of that kip sheet, you pile all the rubble, the, all the mud that you've dug out. And that gives you two sleeping areas at either end that you can sleep in. And if you get, um, if you get shelled, you're going to get protected, right? Oh. That was my screen just blacking out for some reason. So, yeah. That's hold, hold fast. Um, mud run and all night. Fuck around. This is the... Um, this will take place at some part in your training. I think it's in this kind of third phase. Doesn't really matter. But basically, you'll have one night where... One of your training team sleeps on board, sleeps on board the ship, the ship being your base, right? And just as you're wondering why, he'll come out, call you, call, call you all out onto the landing as a troop. And he'll say, right, fellas, this place is disgusting. I've just been in one of those rooms and I've got dust on my finger. He'll wipe like the top of a door, right? And you say, what is dust? Skin, Corporal. Yeah, skin. So it's fair to say you've got people living on top of your doors. You need to sort it out. So back here in 30 minutes, I want everything dusted. That's it. You run away feeling like you're really in trouble and, oh my God, you're, you're going to get, you're going to fail training, right? How naughty are you? You're very naughty boys. And of course, it's all just a load of bullshit, right? But you'll come back in half an hour. You've dusted everything. Then it will be the floor. I've seen a floor in this room here, in this grot, they call them. In this grot, floor is minging. Right, fellas, back here. 30 minutes. I want to see everything sparkling, right? That's it. Then you go away and do that. What starts out as people living on top of your doors goes on all night. And come the next morning, you have had no sleep. You've, you've fallen in outside in all these different rigs, which has been your punishment. So it's falling in sport, you know, PT rig. You're falling in PT rig. You're rushing like hell. They say, move your fingers, right? You hear that a lot in training. Move your fingers. And you do. You have to try not to panic. Stay calm. Get your clothes on. Do this button. Do this button. Get your, 
get your trainers on or whatever it is. Do the laces. Don't panic. Look at yourself in the mirror. Have you done everything right? You haven't got any bloody dust or dandruff on you. Good. Do I need a shave? No, I'm good. You're falling outside, right? You don't want to be the last person because the last person, I mean, someone's got to be last, right? Unfortunately, it does tend to be the same person and that doesn't help them, right? Remember, you'll become the whipping boy if you're that person. And um, they'll make out like the last person has let everybody down. And so you all go back. This time you've got to change into your blues or your love it. You've got to be outside in full blues. And of course you're panicking. Do my parade boots need a gloss? You know, have I got to get the, the blooming water out and give them a give them a shine, right? Tell you something I did. I, I cheat a, a little cheat I got away with is I bought that stuff. The stuff you dab on your shoes, right? And it's really good because you can put it on wet boots and get a shine on them and you'll see why in a minute but I think I also used to be able to put it on my parade boots and get them really shiny with it as well so anyway you do this all night and it's just it's just a muck around right it's you know you do a kit muster you get all your kit on your bed then you've got to put all your kit away and uh, and finally the next morning you're all falling outside your corporal will make one excuse that you've done one more thing wrong or someone's done something wrong or or it's like your nose doesn't fit your face or something stupid, right? And it's, right, fellas, back here, five minutes, we're in denims, rugby shirt, trainers, right? Something like that. And you know then you're going out in the mud. And do you know what? You're like that. Yes, yes. Because you don't want to go through training and not have a mud run because it's brilliant. It's not even that exhausting. I'm going to be honest with it. I mean, it, it, it's hard running in that mud, but everything you do in commando training is hard, right? It is hard. And you just get on and you'll just get on and do it. You will, you know, as long as you don't give up. Think how many hundreds of thousands of people have done it before you. Can't be that hard, can it? Do you know what I mean? can't be impossible so you're like yes we're going out on the mud and because because health and safety was starting to creep in when i joined it was around about that time right things like the mud run they started to do less of so anyway that was it we went out in the mud it's on the exmouth um, estuary the river x right and the mud is about it's like a foot to two foot deep you go right out to where the channel is, where, where the tide's gone out, right? And you're doing your press-ups and you roll over and you run there. One corporal will just disappear. And the next thing you know, you're, the corporal that's taking the session will just go, right, fellas, run to Corporal So-and-so. And you turn around. The Corporal So-and-so is like quarter of a mile away. And you're like, ah, right, okay. And off you go trying to make it look like you're absolutely knackered and you haven't got another ounce of strength left in you because you're secretly praying that they'll let you off then, right? That's it. When you get back from your mud run, they get the fire hoses out and they hose you down, hose all the worst of the mud off, then they make you jump in the tank. The tank is where you do your full regain 
on your battle fitness test pass out, right? It's a huge old septic. It's not a septic tank, but the water in it's kind of stagnant. It's like a, a swimming pool full of this green, muddy water. And the rope goes over the top of it. And it's the rope's about nine feet over the top of the water. And sometimes your your PTI will just say, right, fellas, everyone in the tank. And you just got to do it. And I went through the bottom field, January and February, right? My commando tests were in February. You can imagine having to swim across that tank in full kit when it's like minus six air temperature outside. Yeah, makes you hard. <laughs> uh, we were just kids, man, you know. We literally, we were, we were, we, you know, when did you become a man? I don't know, because I still haven't. <laughs> So yeah, that's it. About time I shut up, eh? So thank you if you can like and subscribe, fellas and fellasses. I'd appreciate it. The next video, we're going to be talking about commando training, the commando tests, and the pass out break. Friend, thank you for watching my video. I'm the only person I know that has ticked every item off my bucket list and I did so coming back from chronic addiction with no help from anybody. Now I want to pass those skills on to you but I can't help you unless you help me and hit the subscribe button. So please do so and let's go and smash this world together. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username Chris Thrall. Instagram Chris Thrall. Thank you.